What's up, everybody? I'm Jamal. And I'm Brandon. And this is The Way We Ball. Game one of 2024 has started. Not necessarily MLS season, but the Cup season and ended in a loss. How do you feel about uh, yesterday's match? I thought the team played pretty well, considering all the injuries. No Ache Ache, no Kiones. And I thought everybody stepped up. The only things that I found obviously heartbreaking, Seba's going down with a torn hamstring. And I, you didn't really see too much from Artur, but I've kind of come to the conclusion I think that's a good thing if you're not hearing from him because that means he's just doing his job silently. Hey, Schmidt looked strong. Uh, it didn't look like our, our back line missed a beat in terms of gelling together. Svetchenko, I was thought he looked a little rusty in moments, but I know that guy will gel into form. I mean, that's that's game one, so I can't be too picky. My big knock, though, I mean, I've been a huge Ben supporter this entire time and really kind of preaching his culture, but I'm starting to wonder if playing for the tie was the wrong move. I thought we had a real strong control of that game, and, I mean, if, if you look at it, we could have easily won that 2-1. I didn't know if playing for the tie was the right move there. I, I kind of wish he kept some pressure on and, and see if we could have gone for it. I think Ben's thought process was we had a major injury. These guys are probably mentally not um... – fully there, but bigger than anything, just the, the layout of this competition, we're going to get them at home on a Tuesday. Um, I think he was just, like you said, trying to get that tie so that we can have the, because at that point it's 0-0, right? And then we're going to get them at home um, with our advantage. So I think that was his mindset. Um, but yeah, I mean, we started out hot. Like, look, I wish I could have came in here like annoyed at Ben and come and tell you I told you so, but like we played a good ball game. We were a bad referee decision away from taking the lead fairly early. These guys really haven't played together too much. We didn't have Escobar starting, and we we looked in the we were in the driver's seat for for a few moments into that game. We have Sebas going down, who I was really really excited for this season, and that's for me that was the biggest takeaway. That's just super unfortunate. Um, but man, Seba balled out of his mind. Really impressed me. Just passing was on point. His movement off the ball too, like that goal with Aleu. I don't know if that uh, if that goes in, if there was anyone else there. I just loved his movement off of the ball, really high soccer IQ. And now it's like, well, no wonder why he was pretty regarded in uh, in Poland after after this week because, I mean, the guy has it. I'm kind of bummed out. We didn't get to see that last year. We talked about having that that extra um, man that can change a game for us last year in the, in the playoffs. I think that probably was our guy, and we, we just didn't know. So um, for me, Seba, Clark, there's a lot of reasons to be hopeful this season after last night's match. Clark played out of his mind. I mean, he made some incredible saves that were just goal saves of the year kind of plays. He he kept that a respectable score when it could have gotten out of hand if he wasn't just standing on his head. Now, the one thing I will say, I was, yes, Seba, uh, Kowalczyk, I got his name now. I honestly, I, I, I sent us in the group chat early on. I was like, he looks special and I'm with you. I love watching the ball on his foot. It just looks like it's a magnet. It doesn't really travel that far from him and he just can whip right between people. And he can pass, he can hustle, love him. I think that's a huge player, so happy he's sticking around. But I kind of want to focus on Ben for a second, because here's what I've noticed. I love the style of play Ben does. Our little ticky-taka, but now if you also look, we were crossing the ball from one end of the pitch to the other, pushing it forward a little bit more than that slow kind of pass buildup that we did more last year. I like that pace. But here's my knock on Ben after I've been kind of really focusing on it. His substitutions. I kind of worry about what he decides to do once he makes changes to his game plan. And that's where I'm kind of saying where I, I knock him playing for the tie when you're exactly right. The huge injury was a devastating blow, but what a way to build morale if you were able to escape with an equalizer or in this case, like coming out with a win. I, I, I found that kind of disturbing. And the other trend mentioned a lot last year, giving up late goals, another 90th minute goal that they scored. So in this case, these are kind of my chinks in the armor with Ben. 
substitution and what we do late. And I think those two things correlate together. My biggest, my biggest concern is that it felt like the issues we had last year just went ahead and lapsed into this year. We didn't fix the attacking issue. What was our problem last year? We had everything perfect. And we said this last year in the last episode of, of last year's season. We just need to get an attacking play going, and this team can go all the way. Like, we have the defensive piece. We didn't skip a beat when it came to the defense, despite replacing Escobar with a person who truly is a left back. Um, the <laughs> midfield, despite not having Ache Ache, looked great. I love putting Coco where he's typically more comfortable in with his national team. It was just the attacking wasn't there. And again, I was looking forward. I look forward to having someone like Sebas who can create something and just score out of nowhere. But we didn't really get to see that. That ended prematurely. But it was just it was just another episode of what we saw last year, and that was great play, except for the attack, except for that final third. And I'm just worried because we had a whole offseason. We weren't worried about hiring a new coach, getting a new GM, filling in all these pieces. You had an entire offseason with the team that you had last year, and you didn't fix the one problem that hurt us last year, which was the attack. We still lacked. There was no creative movement at the end. Thank goodness St. Louis whiffed, and that allowed LAU to get the ball push it forward, get it to Kolchek. Um, but had it not been for that lucky break for us, there wasn't really much happening in the final third. And that worries me because teams are just going to get better and better as the season goes on on defense. And we just need that playmaking number nine, that playmaking number 10, that'll just make magic happen because I don't think Ben can draw something up um, to where it'll, it'll lead to us scoring goals. Coco looked incredible in that first half, that ball he had to alley-oop over that beautiful little chip and the goal that was called off. I mean. He looked great. I, I liked that. I thought Aliou did look pretty strong considering how he really didn't do much last year. He kind of just ran around the pitch. This year, he looks to have a little bit more control. Obviously, he's still young. Keep developing him. So I, I have more promise but, in him. But let me let me stop you there. Did he look more comfortable because he started out as a winger? I was thinking about that. Is he just more comfortable on the wing? Are we just like, are we giving him a terrible situation and, and <laughs> holding him back by putting him on top number nine? Because I agree with you. He looked great on the wing and he got that goal. Um so I don't know if, if we're if we're holding this guy back by putting him in a position that he's not comfortable in. Could be. I also think at that moment, you know, the goal scoring pressure was also taken off with Ferreira on the pitch. So I think that could have been a mentality for him when you're not the sole provider. And the minute he went down, I mean, he, he didn't have the same type of production. So I think there could be a weight barrier. And that's probably with age. So give a little bit more time. He gets a bit more comfortable. I just like his movement a bit more. That could have been playing on the wing, but. It looked like he was more in control. He he looks not as big this year. I mean, he's still a big kid, but he looks more f like fit. And and I, I not like he was out of shape. You know what I mean? But Looked in this case, for sure. yeah, I, I I liked his style of play. I have a lot of promise for that. But in this case now, it, it comes down to depth. You, with the injury of Sebas, and you're right, we didn't really adjust to anything in attacking, but we did make a trade. We we traded for uh, Ted's kid. I don't know if it is pronounced Siegel or if it is Seagal or, or however it is pronounced, but the rumors on him are. He's a serviceable piece. He's not a game-changing piece. Just for what we need in this team, would you rather him be more of a Seagull or more of a Seagull? <laughs> uh, definitely Seagull, man. You know how many more yeah. fun videos we could do with that? The TIFOs would be incredible. So I hope he's a goal-scoring machine. But I, from the likelihood of it, it sounds like he hasn't really caught on with anybody. He was with NYC, uh, with New York City. Uh, and then he played in uh, Israel. Obviously, they had to stop their season for the war and then uh, yeah. he came on back so hasn't had much time to develop into a team hopefully he can with us and especially with his dad as the owner <laughs> that's how rumors start brandon i, I really uh, am i'm gonna keep doing it i'm like yeah why do you, <laughs> we got him for a third round pick guys he's not costing us anything so i love him 
uh, yeah, I mean, and keep in mind, we didn't have Quinones, we didn't have Nelson to, uh, to, uh, we didn't have Bossy or Nelson Quinones, sorry, brain fart. We didn't have Bossy or Nelson Quinones, two big time contributors. So look, at the end of the day, I'm optimistic. I think that could have ended much, much worse. We looked Absolutely. good despite not having a big, the big trio, um, in our midfield and even in our attack. So let's see. Um, so are you, I'm under the impression that going forward, our number nine is going to be a layer. Is that safe to, safe to think? I mean, it has to be at this point. I, it, we don't have anybody else to really flirt with unless, again, Ted's kid can step up out of nowhere and play out of his mind. But who else would you play out of position? Do you, do you play Coco? Do you play Bossy? I mean, I feel like that's not really it. Bossy, to me, could be interesting, but way too small. I think he'd just get bullied up there. Yeah, no, definitely too small. Um, in, in a move, which I'm pretty sure was a response to what happened last night, uh, the Dynamo signed Achara back. This time with the Dynamo two, I'm pretty sure we'll see him Tuesday in that, um, at least on the on the lineup sheet because of all the injuries that happened. I'm excited to see what he can do. He had a lot of promise, did some time in Toronto, put some numbers up there. Wasn't uh, a game changer by any means, um, but at the position we're in, it's definitely something we needed. So I'm okay with that pickup. We didn't break the bank, and it's a serviceable backup to have um, in the event something happens to a you. Now, I did try to preach Brad Smith the last episode and kind of talk him up a little bit. He now is a concern. I, I, I feel... I mean, that pass that he was not able to complete to Coco when he was wide open, that was devastating. I like Brad Smith because he was a Liverpool player. That's probably really why I like him in the grand scheme of things. And I'll stick up for him on that role. But he costs us a lot of money, too. If we can't move him off the books and a guy like Steris, who another 32 years old, both two guys, I really like them. But that they cost too much money for, for what they do. And speaking of getting off the books, someone we tried getting off the books, but it's still costing us. Tim Parker not only costs us financially, <laughs> but costs us the effing game. So yeah, that spiritually. was a of all people to score. Good, good Lord, man. What um, were your thoughts on well, Brooklyn? Brooklyn, I, I was okay with it. Didn't look out of place. Um, you know, the, 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 the terrible part was that he contributed to that goal at, uh, being scored at the end. Like he had a little a, a mistake there. And I feel bad because I know he's going to dwell on that. He's not going to focus on all the positives. Aside from that mistake, he played a very solid game. He looked like an MLS midfielder. I have no complaints at all. And he should have been getting these kind of minutes last year for these yep. cup games, these early round cup games. So I hope this is just uh, a trend we're going to see the rest of the season. Um, because even, So if he doesn't get regular season minutes, I hope he gets these extra cup games because we're going to have a lot of extra games this year. Um, but I have no complaints at all. That midfield, again, not having it at up was more than serviceable. I keep saying serviceable, and I feel like that's not doing them justice. I thought he was great. So the reason also why I bring that up is because one of my ball in ball out with you was that Brooklyn Reigns would get to play in at least 15 league games. You think he's going to be able to do that now? Now that you watched him, you have a different opinion now with a little bit more hindsight. Yeah. Yeah. No, that definitely, now that I watched him one, um, but the injury bug on top of that and then bossy's whole green card situation. Um, yeah. Ball in on that one. So <laughs> no, I'm with you. I, I was, I was excited to see that the kid looked pretty strong. Uh, I did give you a little raz on the uh, text chain when uh, Kijima, I think it is, there uh, for oh, St. Yeah. Louis. You, they, he definitely scored because of you. Had you not said that, he's not uh, he's not scoring that goal. I was like, are you buying a jersey? The minute he was checking in because the kid came in. I did a little research on Homeboy. He uh, he was a seventeenth round. Or he was a seventeenth overall pick, and uh, he was a captain for Wake Forest. So like he's been in America for a while. Uh, but dude, talk about just right place, right time. That kid had a brilliant shot. He was a part of a J League system. I don't know who, yeah. uh, but he was he was involved with with a team in the J League. And we've joked about it last year that this is going to turn into a J League podcast. 
if that does happen, the season opener is this Friday. So uh, if you're looking for a squad, <laughs> now's the time to pick. My team, Sarasota Osaka, plays Saturday, 12 a.m. against FC Tokyo. So if anyone's looking for some late-night footy action after the Dynamo play, uh, jump on YouTube and watch some J-League. You might see the next Kojima. Who knows? Dude, so let's uh, – I have kind of a conspiracy hat theory to throw at you, okay? And this is going to be one where we have to look at a big picture. With Seba – with Seba's injury now, it puts him. If he goes on the long-term injury list, it opens up a DP slot. Do you think, in a way, the front office is like, "This is the best case scenario for this team"? <laughs> I don't know if they think that because, um, again, Siegel still had to dish out all that cash for him, and it seems like we we just can't get rid of him. My conspiracy is that I don't want to say that anyone's happy that somebody got hurt, but I do think Olsen is relieved. Why? Because all that pressure to play Sebas is out the door. You can't tell me that suddenly Sebas decided, or I'm sorry, you can't tell me that after a few months, Olsen decided like, you know what? Th- this is my number nine. I don't buy that. I think my tin hat is that Olsen went to, I'm sorry, um, Pat went to Olsen and said, look, we need to play this guy because ownership is on my ass. Why do we spend so much money on this forward who's getting no playing time and we're loaning him out to Brazil? And as we've mentioned in this podcast, loaning out players isn't a great thing. I think that Pat went to Ben and said, we need to play this guy no matter what, get him on the field. I think Olsen today is relieved that I don't have that pressure to start somebody who doesn't fit my system. So as far as like the numbers, the DP spots, that thing is basically algebra to me i don't understand any of it um i want to say that because he's not a contributing member to the team in any way shape or form we do get that dp spot open uh, but he's still on the payroll at the end of the day so um i don't know how that works so i'm not gonna pretend like i do but i want to say that people are relieved or they don't feel the pressure as they would have had he been playing yeah but if this is the case for pat now you just bought yourself another season easily by being like Look at how the season started. You take away my all my DP players, Herrera's out, and then you also take away the striker that we all agreed is going to come back. And look at what he was doing in the preseason. This guy was red hot. And now all of a sudden he pulls a hammy and he's done. You know Pat is probably fist pumping because he's like, it bought me a couple more months. Now we can try to go out and land a whale. And if that guy doesn't pan out, then it's going to be like, oh, well, you know, he just hasn't had time to acclimate. Wait till he gets under this squad and gets a little bit more time under his belt. I don't know, man. In my eyes, I'm usually not a conspiracy man, but to me, there's a lot of dots that fit. <laughs> you know, most conspiracy folks start off by saying, I'm not a conspiracy guy. <laughs> and then they go into their conspiracy. But, yeah, yeah, right. But I, look, I will say this, like the best ownerships are the ones that let the experts do their job. So I don't, I think Pat is, is going to be okay. If I were in Seagull's shoes, my rebuttal is like, look, I paid you to build a complete team, not a two, three person team. So the fact that you don't have anyone that the drop-off is so high from playoff contending team to not even making the playoffs. To me, that's a problem. And that's a problem that you created because I didn't pay you to sign two, three players. Anybody you put me in there. I could have give you, given you two, three big starting players. Your job is to build a complete team top to bottom and including dynamo too. And as we've alluded, a lot of those guys are leaving and um, based off of some of these players going, going out, it, it's not the most complete team. So that's just me being harsh. Again, I, I think Pat's okay. Um, and uh, Asher did come out saying that they intentionally are trying to rebuild that Dynamo 2 program. Um, so it looks like there's a, there's a method to the madness. Well, then let's keep diving into their method and madness now. Because in this case, they re-signed Coco, who at all offseason we were hearing is going to sell for big dollars. And then now we are suddenly going to sell off Escobar. And then out of nowhere, we were selling Kowalczyk. So what is happening here if there's 
method or madness because to me you were about to just crush the depth here and really gut a lot of good players now signing i'm gonna be on the front end i mentioned i wanted coco back so i'm excited that we signed him especially because he's a great mls player i just expect more of him in the playoffs that's that's not asking too much but the other all the things here i don't know i don't get it yeah so uh i guess to to first and foremost i'm thrilled that Coco's back. We gave him a hard time during the playoffs, especially, but I think we just expected a lot out of him because yeah. rightfully so he's given, he's given himself those huge expectations because we've seen what he's capable of. Um, so I'm glad we got him because that's basically saying we believe in this guy. And if you want this guy, you're going to have to pay up. So I'm okay with the extension. The extension made all the sense in the world. And looking back at it, he was, he was pretty uh, present in a lot of the marketing uh, this, this off season. So that could, that should have been our sign that he's probably not going to go <laughs> anywhere anytime soon. Um, so I'm glad about that movement. The one that caught me off was Kovalchuk, um, because it seemed like we planned on having him here this coming season, that he was going to be a, a key piece. Um, that just came out of nowhere. And the crazy thing was, it was from one of the bigger teams, if not the biggest team in the Polish yeah. league. So that one threw me off. The positive sign is that it looked like he said thanks, but no thanks. It looks like he's mm -hmm. fully bought in. I mean, look, apples to apples, I think a lot of these ath athletes would rather live in the U.S., compared to Poland um, that I don't know, you know, family comes in into aspects. So there's no, there's no telling how his family feels, but for him to well, say thanks, why, no thanks. That's why he said, thanks, no, but thanks, but no thanks because it was family. He said, I just moved them all here. We're, we're acclimated and he, he was happy. So like he didn't want to uproot them again. And so that was a big thing. And he wanted to continue with the dynamo or building. He was like, we're, we're across, we're across Ninfas and we don't have fajitas yeah. in Poland. And yeah, he's like, bro, I'm have you in. had the brisket? Have you had the brisket? Yeah. He's like, I'm here. <laughs> he's like, I'm not leaving before a rodeo season. So, um, <laughs> yeah. so I think I think that one we're safe. It looks like he's not going anywhere. The one that really raised my eyebrow a bit that totally came out of left field, but makes sense when you really break it down, is Escobar. I yeah. can see him leaving to play for his childhood hero. I could see him leaving to play for a position that he's comfortable at. Because remember, folks, he's not a left back; he's a right back. The only reason he's there is because Dorsey just out of nowhere became became the next best things since sliced bread so <laughs> i can see i can see escobar leaving and i can see him taking a pay cut i can see him doing whatever he has to do to make sure that that move happens my bigger question is how the hell does miami make that happen we talked <laughs> about it before we went live they cut they cut a no-name dude and they're okay they're in the green play ball i'm so confused with miami and everything they have going on my question to you is, let's say, and this is just like FIFA, like trade generator. I don't know if this is even possible, but let's say Miami says, we'll give you Yedlin. We'll take some of his fees or we'll, we'll pay some of his wages for Escobar. Do you make that move? No, I don't want Yedlin. He's over the hill for me. We, we mentioned like. We mentioned it, but I'm saying Yedlin as a backup, not as a starter because we, and, and I think, I thought Tate Schmidt looked great in the left back. I'm saying as a backup uh, for Dorsey or Schmidt, depending on where we would need him. I would rather dive into their striker situation. Hey, Campana seems like he's riding the bench and he's about 23, 24 years old. Let's go for that. We'll give you Escobar for him. I, I think that makes a little bit more sense. If it costs us a DP slot, it costs us one for a year. And guess what? We have one available with our DP striker now going on to the injured reserve. So I wouldn't mind making that switch. I think Escobar has earned his right to leave kind of in a way. I, I think he made a great presence on this team and he's a spirit that like we genuinely needed. But he doesn't really have a everyday starting position, and he deserves to be an everyday starter. So if he wants to move on, that stings. But I'm with you. If we're going to trade it for straight up, kind of like a FIFA mode, I'd rather go for somebody that's more in their midfield or or a striker position that they're not utilizing. That's wrestling around there. Yeah, I don't I don't know what the consensus feeling is about Escobar, but as you said, I feel like he's earned that right. And I mean, 
look, what better for me? It's like, I'm okay with sacrificing him. He's not going to be a game changer where our playoff hopes ride or die on Escobar. So I'm okay with him leaving. And I just think that's a cool way to, to cap off your careers playing with arguably the greatest of all time and your childhood hero. Yeah. who You have a tattoo on your, on your exactly. leg. So um, I can see that happening now back to the 10, 10 hats. Did he fake that injury yesterday or is he legit hurt? Yeah, that kind of just jumped out of the blue. You would like to think that a guy that wants to be traded and signed somewhere new wouldn't bring that kind of baggage with him. You know what I mean? If they did find out like, ah, that was a little kind of messed up. But I don't know. I, I don't understand why he would do it at all. Like, But I, I can I can see that being a plausible situation just knowing how hot-headed that guy is. So the way the timeline, the way it all broke out was we have that scrimmage with Orlando, which he didn't play because of an injury. And then almost immediately you get the Miami rumors. And I'm, in my head, I'm like, okay, makes sense. He's not playing to make sure he's healthy so that the move can happen. I'm in the, under the under the opinion that the move is bound to happen. Um, they're just getting all the final little details put in place. And they're just trying to keep him on the shelf to make sure he's healthy so that the transaction can go through. Because everything seemed okay until Orlando. Then you hear the rumor. Then he's starting to miss because of an injury. We didn't hear anything about an injury beforehand. And I I think that something is going to happen in the next couple of days with my, us in Miami. I just hope we start to make some legit moves of collecting good MLS pieces to fill these gaps. Keep signing backup players to backup contracts and not have a situations like Brad Smith where you're paying somebody starter money who really is a backup. You know, we, that's the that's the tendency we need to avoid going forward. So before we move on to our next segment, let me ask you this, Brandon. If yesterday's game was week one of the MLS regular season, is Grey Goose starting or is that Brooklyn Reigns still? Because you mentioned it. The, the reason I bring that question up is all the moves we've made, they've been for not necessarily key pieces, guys that were riding the bench, not necessarily game changers. So our latest, one of our latest additions, Grey Goose, is he, is he going to be a, a starting caliber player for us or is he going to ride the bench behind some of these other dudes? My hope is to let Brooklyn keep starting and then just use him as Brooklyn's super sub or whatever it is that you want to call it because he's not a goal scorer. Like, that's not his game. He's a more real, like, center defensive mid and heavy on the defensive part. So he's a guy that, like, if second half and we're up, that's who I want to come into the ball game. I, I think Brooklyn's earned his minutes. My thing now is, looking ahead here, too... <laughs> Did somebody just break open some pool? Uh, no, I... Uh, my thing is, is uh, looking ahead to Sporting KC, with this crowd coming in, I hope we pack it just like how we had a face against St. Louis. Boy, did they bring a heavy crowd. But uh, my hope is that we, we, we pack out the shell and Sporting KC, we got to come away with some points here just to give some hope, man. So not much has been said about season opener come Saturday. What are your expectations for, um, for Shell Stadium? Is it going to be a sellout? Is it going to be 90%, 80%? What are your thoughts? I don't think we're sold out. Sadly, I bet we're like, 65 percent pack i i it's that east end man that's gonna just still look bad i know we keep railing on it but that's what's gonna hurt the appearance so i i don't know if it's just me but i feel like it's been awfully quiet for week one of the regular season like no promos not much advertising i'm i'm like really worried that we're not gonna have a really good turnout <laughs> i think um I, I i hope i hope people do obviously i mean i'm gonna be there so We'll, we'll be up in our same spot that we always are cheering on. So I, I'm looking forward to it, but I'm not, I'm not hopeful yet. I think this team has to start to show something here, but this could be a pivotal season, two big turnouts. Well, I'll tell you one thing I'm not looking forward to. I'm not looking forward to the fact that they're not going to be rocking purple inside the shell because <laughs> us as Houstonians deserve to see that purple jersey. Brandon, what were your thoughts seeing it live and in action? I got mine today. 
I was like, man, why is it getting hot? I forgot I had that damn jacket on. So there goes that big surprise. But uh, what yep. were your thoughts on this? What is it still holding? Or what's the holding name? It Hold, no, no, no. It's on the back. I feel like. Uh, what is my tattoo? Still holding. Still, hold, still holding. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I, um, man, I like the look of it on the screen. It looks great, especially on the players. I thought, I thought it really did pop. At first, I didn't like the numbers, but you can, you can really see like the last name and the numbers pop on the screen back there. So I, I kind of appreciated that a bit more. But dude. People were pissed at that jersey. Like a lot of people are, are are really upset in the fact that are like, oh, if it represents lean, then it's it's just blah blah blah. And I, I, I'm just a big believer of like that's just a part of it, a part of its history. I mean, we like soccer. I could easily attack you for being like, oh, are you kidding me? You can travel throughout Europe and hear racist chants. Or how about the fans that have these supporter groups that fight each other? How can you support such a thing? And it's like. No, man, that's just a part of a bigger global game. And for people to be this pissed off over a purple jersey, <laughs> that is the part where I was, like, more taken away than getting to enjoy it. Yeah, and, like, in my end, like, on the marketing side, I'm like, at the end of the day, you want something that'll get people talking. Whether you loved it, whether you hated it, people were talking. It was one of their more engaged posts on Reddit I saw on Twitter. People were talking about it. So at the end of the day, I want to say marketing team is like, well, it was a success. Like it or love it or hate it. People are talking and more so than they would have with our old black kids, with our old orange kids. It was different. It's unique. There's a story behind it, most importantly. Um, and it got people talking. And again, it just it, it pays homage to something that Houston is known for. And one of the biggest things was like, well, you know, we're, we're more than that. Like, yeah, we are more than that. But this is a cool little niche that really doesn't get talked about in the mainstream media. And I, I thought it was really cool. Um, and, and again, we went in depth on that last week. I just I thought it looked great on the field. Um, I thought uh, I was a little concerned with the color clash going against a, a pinkish team, but I thought, I thought it looked great. I was really impressed with the way it looked seeing it in person myself. Um, I love that the patch is purple. Um, the MD oh. Anderson is, is that gray? Yeah. It's, it's, I don't know if you can see it, but I thought it was I, silver or no, whatever no. the Chrome. No, it looks, oh. it, it looks great, man. I love it. So um, yeah, I'm, I'm excited to rock it out and about um and see what kind of feedback we get so the um, uh the home kits this year are adding black shorts to that so yeah i, I didn't know we but are we allowed to do that i thought you couldn't alter home kits until next year i'm not sure how that all works i saw that i posted <laughs> it didn't was he not wearing yeah. black shorts and we joked about he like oh man the black was. shorts do exist yeah so that'll be exciting i mean it's a nice little change well for those that are upset that we lost the black kits at least that's the case the only thing that I will say our, our friends at Dynamo Faithful actually had a very good point when it comes to the purple kit is that a lot of teams are either red or blue and you can't really wear the orange or you can't really wear the purple in that case. And a lot of like teams that have like red and blue, like when we play Frisco, like what do you wear? And I was like, oh, that's actually a good point. But I don't know. I, I didn't think the color clash was that upsetting or that yeah, yeah, no, it was, distracting, it was you know like, what I mean? Yeah, not at all. So I, th I, th I think we'll be fine. And again, it looks different on, on camera. Um, so yeah, I was going to mention that I, I went, um, because what was it? The first, the last black kit we had when we signed at Etta, I guess our last, the Bayou kit, um, yeah. I went replica and that was the last time after seeing it compared with these new like player issued. Um, that's the last time I'm going replica. I got the player <laughs> issued on this. I don't know if I would have liked this as much as I do had I gone replica. Um, ah. the fit is just different. I feel like the color, the texture, because of the texture, the colors look different. So, um, if anyone's on the fence about buying it, just, you know, spend the extra 40 bucks, I think 30, 40 bucks and go, uh, authentic because it, it, it does make a difference. I used to be somebody that was like, just give me the Jersey until I became friends with producer Shay. And now in my life, I realize you just spend the extra dollars to go authentic. Yeah. 
That is his one contribution to this podcast. Yeah, he talks jerseys and he doesn't even talk. <laughs> it's like speaking WWB at checkout, please. It's like speaking to Oz. <laughs> All right, Brandon. Well, that'll lead us up to our second segment, my favorite segment, Balling Around the Globe, where we take a story from anywhere around the world of football and bring it to you, the Dynamo listeners. Brandon, I'll let you start off this week's Balling Around the Globe. All right, Jamal. Always ask questions. Uh, in this case, we're going to go to Turkey is where we start. And knowing that we're in Turkey, what do you think is an odd animal to own as a pet in Turkey? What's an odd animal? A turkey, obviously. A turkey and a turkey? That is a little yeah, on the money yeah. there. Now, what about Ryan Kent? Does that name ring the bell to you? That sounds like a TV character. No, so Ryan Kent was actually a like academy player for Liverpool. He went on to play for a little AFC Bournemouth. He played a little, <sighs> and then he went on to play for the Rangers as well. Well, now Ryan Kent has found himself signed into Istanbul, where he is now playing in Turkey, but he's asking for a specific request here as he's run into a bit of trouble with his new club for a pet. And here's where I'm going to do a thing called reading. And in this case, the winger, according to MyNet, is looking for a keeper for his pet crocodile, which he appears to have gotten Turkey. He has suggested to offer a four-figure salary and health insurance as part of the perks for whoever accepts the job of helping feed his croc. Now, Jamal, I ask you, a four-figured salary and health insurance to watch Ryan Kent's crocodile. Yen? <laughs> I don't know, man. That sounds like pretty easy. Just throw it in your backyard. And if you have a pole that you don't use, that's easy money. Literally easy money. Just throw a chicken or two back there and that guy's set. Um, and like, dude, they're like indestructible. They've been around since the dinosaur periods. Like, And I've seen stories of like when it freezes, they know how to like maneuver their bodies to where they won't freeze to death. I feel yeah, like you don't have to do out. much. Yeah, stick their snout out and just chill. Honestly, I feel like that's that's just easy money. I just need a space to leave it or no one will, <laughs> will touch it and like die. But I think I'm taking that deal. What a dangerous job. And I just love the fact that it's like, oh, no, it comes with health insurance. It's like, yeah, no kidding, yeah. dude. I'm feeding your pet crocodile. But why have a pet croc? Like when you're that rich, I get having a weird animal. But what are you getting out of a crocodile? Like at least go amazing aquarium or or – a big animal of some sort, not a crocodile. That doesn't ever give you love. I get the want of like a tiger or like a lion because they're like massive dogs, right? Like they could kill you at any second. <laughs> they will. But it's kill like just you. a big like dog you could just like grab and hug and stuff. I don't get the crocodile. Like it's not cuddly. It doesn't have. It doesn't follow any commands. Like there was a story in Costa Rica that a crocodile was shot in the head and it like it it, <laughs> it affected one of its glands, like it's like attack gland. So some dude in Costa Rica kept it as a pet for like. 30 some years the only reason he was able to was because he was literally shot in the head and didn't have the same ner like neuro workings that a regular crocodile would so too big of a risk to have as a pet but if you give me a four-figure salary i might i might be interested in that i would i'll, I'll let uh i'll send him a little note to the uh, inquiry there and tell him uh, i have a co-host who's down to go feed him <laughs> yeah so the uh, job market zip recruiter there you go get on that one we got a sponsorship <laughs> Well, it's funny. Uh, what team was he with? Did it say? Yeah, I'm not going to be able to get the name right. Um, it's a uh, Fenderbahce. Oh, Fenderbahce? <laughs> oh, of course. Yeah. yeah, yeah. How, did, how did I say it? <laughs> Champions League team, man. Uh, well, that's funny, Brandon, that uh, you were in Turkey. I was actually just in Turkey, too. I'm surprised I didn't see you. Hey. I was there to go uh, look at a story coming out of Besiktas, uh, another Champions League uh, appearing team. And what's what's going on in Turkey and these players and this weird drama? 
Turkey, Besiktas, we leads us to Emiran Delibas. Emiran Delibas is a 21-year-old winger or midfielder. Um, he's been with the academy. He's had a decent decent career. Well, he is uh, – well, he's not being threatened. He was actually let go by the team. Can you guess why he was let go by Besiktas? Uh, he didn't pick up the dinner tab. Ah, I wish it was so simple. <laughs> Brandon, he was let go for having a Tinder account. And it wasn't what? just that he had a Tinder account, but it was because he said he was 24. Now, remember, I said Emiran was 21 years old. So Besiktas decided to let him go for lying about his age. Brandon, is that a fireable <laughs> offense? Oh, man. Why didn't he just be like, I just lied on Tinder so that way they didn't know who I was? Like, what an idiot. But So I this is where it gets confusing because I don't know and, – and, and trust me, I Googled left and right, up and down. I looked everywhere for this. I don't know if they're upset because they're assuming he lied to them about his real age or if they're upset that he's like lying to the single ladies of Turkey about his age. Um, so that's kind of in the mud. <laughs> I don't know why they're upset that he lied about his age. And look, I get it. It's Tinder. Like Tinder, people use fake names, fake personas. Like he's not necessarily catfishing anyone. He just doesn't want people to know his real name. What doesn't help is that he's posting the photo with his team badge – and like, kind of like showing off Plotting that he's a Besiktas yeah. player, which again, like, look, if I'm in Houston, I play for the Dynamo, I'd be doing the same, right? <laughs> um, I just think it's crazy that he got let go for this. And um, what was the other? There's more another point. Foil. Yeah, yeah. I'm no, going to give you more tinfoil hat here as, as you're searching through there. You know, front offices, Tinder and dating apps have to be the biggest blessing to a sports franchise ever. Those homeboys now just get to like chill in their hotel and not have to go out to the club anymore. Now he can just come to them. Yeah, no, I just, I think it's very bizarre. Um, it's, it's very weird. So now he's coming out and saying that he was hacked. That wasn't his account. <laughs> and that's, that's his defense. Look, at the end of the day, there's a winger available. Pat, jump on the phone. He's available. He's cheap. It looks like he has some promise. And um, there's plenty of uh, Tinderonis out there in Houston for him to, to swipe right on. Yep, he's 24 or 21 and likes long walks on the beach and bring him on over, man. I'm down for that. What a weird reason to get, to get fired. I, I really – yeah, I'm going to like keep up with that story because I'm curious to how it all like plays out. Does he get picked up by anyone else? That Look, if I'm a coach and he has promised that, cool with me. Get Tinder all you want. I mean, Actually, get Bumble. I think Bumble you'll meet a, a, a good take-home-to-mama kind of girl. I don't know about that. I think he had Tinder to not meet the take-home kind of girl is what I would suspect. <sighs> I'm thinking like the owner. He probably like matched with like the owner's daughter or something. And <laughs> he's like, get him out. My, <laughs> he's yeah, not twenty. He's point. not twenty-four. <laughs> well, all right, Brandon. Let's bring it back to the Lone Star State, Texas, and move to our next segment: ball in or ball out, where we talk different topics and state whether we're for them, ball in, or against them, ball out. Brandon, I will let you start with topic number one. So, producer, Shane. I love consistency. That, it's that that's what we're so known for on the show. My bad. He was on the money for that one. You know, uh, you're balling around the globe music too, right? Yeah, I know, but you just jumped into that one. You didn't, you didn't pause. So. Oh, we didn't waste bucks. Yeah. Cobe, just, Cobe just really ran right into that one. <laughs> yeah, that was it. Cobe Leroy Jenkins, that one. <laughs> uh, anyway, our first one <laughs> for ball in, ball Yeah, thank you. Our first one for ball in, ball out. This one, I sent it in the group chat here with us. And as I saw it kind of light a fire here, then you took to Twitter real quick and uh, kind of already made your displeasure about this. The Heineken bar removal. So now it is open to, I guess, a hangout for anybody to go there is how I interpreted that. So removing the Heineken bar and now it's open to everybody. Ball in or ball out for that? So I think it's clear where I stand. Do you want to make your <laughs> point before, before I go off? 
nope, please go up. I want to hopefully ha- find things I can maybe counter. <sighs> All right. So I am ball out on this. Why am I ball out on this? Because I work for a club who had a very similar feature and that thing hurt more than it helped. Why does it do that? Brandon, when you bring casuals to a game, which a lot of Dino fans are doing because they're trying to get shell packed. When you bring casuals to a game, they're not necessarily glued in to the stadium. Now, Imagine bringing a couple of your friends and saying, oh, let's go check out the Heineken bar. We can just go hang out, have some drinks. Those friends are going to start socializing and not really pay attention to what's happening at the game. I just came back from Europe. Everyone, the 60-some thousand people that were in Anfield were all glued in to the, to the stadium, or I'm sorry, glued in on the pitch, watching the players, giving their full energy and support to what was happening in the pitch. Shell is already an empty stadium. Shell already lacks, aside from, from Hustletown, Shell lacks investment from the fans. Adding this, adding this bar is just another distraction, and it's going to take the fan away from watching what's on the pitch, and they're just going to socialize and treat it as a night out. Imagine all these corporate guys that go there because it's something to do. They're not going to sit, watch the game, get excited, because there's some exciting moments. As we saw yesterday, this is an exciting team. They're going to be too busy ordering another beer, talking to, talking to their buddy about stocks or what they missed out on or what bets they made. I am ball out on this. This is going to hurt more than it helps. And you know who made this decision? Somebody who doesn't care about soccer. That's who. But, it, but now it's free. So before it was like a wristband thing and nobody could really sit down there. So now you might actually have people down there. That's the problem. Let's say you have someone in the nosebleeds. I'd rather have that person in the nosebleeds glued in in the game, supporting the team. They're just going to go to the better viewed section and just chill there and hang out. Yeah, But nosebleeds isn't going to be on camera. Those guys now are on camera. We need the appearance that our stadium is full. I'm coming from the USL. I'm coming from the USL, like where it doesn't matter what looks good or bad on camera. I'm just talking about energy in the stadium because there is an energy, right? We can admit that. There's an energy when people are actually watching and there's the oohs and the ahs. You're going to miss that energy by adding this bar area because people aren't going to care about the pitch. The people who don't, who go to Dynamo Games just because their friend dragged them along or they're there for a corporate reason, you're just giving people another distraction not to pay attention to the pitch. And I do not like that. Well, we have one in Hustletown, and I agree. When it first opened up, it was a distraction. But now I would say it's a good point for where everybody gathers, and it, and it looks great, especially coming cup time and everything when it was really packed out in our playoff run. So, Are you saying I, the it, bar or Hustletown? Well, both, because the bar is in the middle of Hustletown. That's what separates the two decks, the lower deck and the upper deck. Yeah, so, yeah. But, like, see, so that's where it gets tricky because that was there – to help our supporters so that they don't have to go to everywhere else to get their beers. So like that I'm okay with because that's making our supporters lives easier. This other section, there's not going to be the passionate fans. That's it's going to be filled filled up people who just don't really care too much about the game. I I mean, I get what I, I get the idea that they're probably not going to be the most enthralled person unless it is the person that is up there from the upper deck going down there. I, I think this an appearance on TV is more helpful than looking at it a business standpoint. I, I think what they're doing is probably eating a loss, knowing that like, hey, we, we have to strip sponsorship. We strip selling specialty price tickets to open this up as a free thing for people to come and sit because you know that if people are watching on television or on Apple or wherever the highlights might be circulating on spe- social media, seeing a pack end to end is more important at this point. So I, I'm ball in. I, I, I think this is going to eliminate the notion that that side is now always perpetually empty. But that's not really like the, the when we complain, we complain more about the east end. Where is this bar going to be on the north? No, it's it's behind the goal. It's where they shoot yeah. the smoke off. But like that's a problem is behind the goal. It hasn't really looked great either end. It stretch it goes from like east end all the way and wrap around there. That bottom left corner, if you're standing in Hustletown, is always empty. 
I think the bigger problem is the East End, and they need to figure that out before you add these like bars and stuff. I don't. I think it's going to hurt more than it helps. I think their their mindset was selling more concessions because these stadiums make ridiculous amount of percentage when it comes to concessions. I don't think that they were really thinking about the TV optics because if that were the case, the whole East End suite thing would have never happened. So I think you're giving that staff too much credit. I think they're seeing the problems now. Is is what I'm saying. So then why not make any changes to the East End? That's the bigger problem. But you just opened that up. So what you're doing is making repercussions to things that you opened up earlier, and you can slowly knock those down. Either you hope that that starts to fill up, or that becomes a hot spot, or maybe they rebuild whatever is on the east end over there, and then they fix that. I mean, you're not going to get rid of something that you just are probably still paying off in terms of cost. I think they would have made changes to like the the ticketing scheme because I just to me it doesn't make sense that it's like well the east side's a problem let's put this bar over here because that's not going to affect anyone at all on the east end and I just even I think that the TV time there and that section is just so limited anyway um, I don't I don't know I think you're giving them too much credit to think that they did this for a TV standpoint I think they just did it for for concession sales and again it's just it's not putting the football as a primary issue when it comes to fixing these kind of things or the soccer, excuse me, because I'm, this has happened to me. We had the 360 but, bar with the Toros and while it was cool in theory, it it hurt because no one wanted to sit up in their seats. Everyone wanted to just go to the bar yeah, and but it was then situated you're, in the same position. But your alternative is keep it the Heineken bar and no one there. <laughs> like, no, no, I, I, I don't think you could. I think you should have changed it, done something better. What that is, I don't know, but I don't like a free for all bar. I think that could have been another incentive for season ticket holders. Um, or pregame spot. I, I don't know what. And again, like, I just don't uh-huh. like, I don't like what they, what the final result was. Is this our longest ball, uh, ball in or ball out? Second? Easily by far. Um, all right. Yeah. Okay. We can, we can jump onto another hey, one. Here. Fans, please sound off. I, I'd love to hear the fans because they're going to be the ones using it. So um, I'll clip this and let us know what you think of this new uh, open to all bar. Yeah. Cause I'm, I, I, this is probably the first one we've been this on opposite ends of, of, of this, uh, topic all right so let's move into another one here and this is great because i actually put this in as a topic before it happened the var situation where we were offsides didn't even look like we're offsides eliminating var entirely are you ball in or ball out for it i'm ball out on it i was i mean it's tough because we were screwed with with yesterday's decision i just feel more often than not it does get the right call it's just the wrong call burns longer uh than when they get the right call. So I'm ball out on getting rid of it. I think it does help the game. Um, I do think that there should be a limit to what should be um, reviewable or not, because some of these, some of these calls and not necessarily in MLS, but I'm just talking like EPL. Some of these calls are just taking way too long. Like, like, you know, I was watching Liverpool recently and it's like Liverpool had all the momentum and then the VAR call. And then it's like two minutes. And then like, trust me as a Liverpool fan and as a Dynamo fan last night, I've been hurt more than I've been helped (laughs) with VAR, but I think more often than not, it does get the right call. Live VAR pool. Trust me. I, uh, (laughs) I will. I'm. I'm going to say I am ball in for eliminating VAR. I hate replay systems. I understand it's in fairness of the game. Want to get the right call. I've been drilled and killed by just bad umpiring and everything that's just that can screw a game. I mean, Jesus. But this is taking so long, and it's not really helping the game. Sports is about a rhythm and a flow, and all you keep doing now is interrupting the rhythm and flow, and it's just dragging on and on and on. Dead air is not fun to watch. This is a problem in sports. We need to speed it up. If all the only sport that can have replay in my eye is tennis because they do it correctly. Everybody claps, it shows up, we move on. And it's like that's exactly how it needs to be across the board. Until we have it as quick as that, it's killing the games. All right. We're gonna head into 
our last ball in, ball out, because when I saw this close up, I was like, oh my God. Steve Clark's new hair, where he specifically has a rat tail. You ball in or ball out for Steve Clark's new hair. We can't be a Diego Luna fan club <laughs> and not be ball in on this. I loved it. I loved the the scroungy look. And after the way he played yesterday, do what you want with that hair. That's yours. <laughs> and again, the guy was a hero for us. So I am ball in on whatever Steve Clark wants to do with that mop he has on top of his head. Bro, I was going to say, I, I mean, I hate the rat tail, dude. That is like least favorite haircuts of all. So ball out on the rat tail. But you sold me. The way that he played yesterday, he's earned a rat tail. So if he wants to keep rocking it because he can stand on his head with it, sure. He's the only person I will accept that absolutely hate the rat tail. You absolutely, like the one lesson in life is you never trust anyone with a rat tail. God, no. And, God, no. And you cut it. Yeah. And so, look. Do what you want, man. After yesterday, do what you want because that guy played <laughs> out of his mind. It's like he found the fountain of youth, took took some uh, took a big chug out of it because, man, he he went back to his old ways. I I loved everything I saw out of him yesterday. I agree, he was very special. But now it's uh it's on to Saturday, my dude. All right, Brandon. So uh, Saturday it is. Do you have any predictions before we uh, end today's episode? Uh, I'm going to predict that it's a 2-0 win for us. I think that our defense shows out. We're loud. We bang the drum. Hustletown, I think, is going to be packed out. Defense is going to hold the line. We get a goal early, and then we get a goal very late to kind of slam the door shut. 2-0, go down and well. So just because uh, we also like literally just lost 2-0 to Miami, I don't think that happens again. I think we win 2-1. I think they make some tweaks to their offense. I think they get a goal, a lucky goal. Um, but I think we finish with uh, with two on top. So 2-1 the good guys um well brandon that wraps it up for this week's episode please like follow us on all social medias underscore the way we ball and for this week's episode i'm jamal and i'm brandon and this is the way we ball